or a hip hop act that doesn't suck, which you'd have to go and listen to ones previous, but whatever, I'm not going to get into that. Either way, we have a new promo with SeatGeek. SeatGeek's an awesome app. Uh, they give you the best prices and information uh, for tickets. Um, and you basically, like I said, you download the SeatGeek app. Uh, if you use the code GeekVibes, all in one word, G-E-E-K-V-I-B-E-S, you get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. That's SeatGeek as in, well, seat, like, you know, what you sit on in geek, just like geek vibes. So think about it. If you're going to go to a concert or anything, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happens. Maybe you're going to see the Nutcracker um, theatrically. No, not theatrically, live. You know what I'm trying to say. Use this app, get $20 off. You guys help us, and we get to help you save a couple bucks. So just going to throw that out to you. All right, let's move on to talk about some some Ring of Honor-related, uh, you know, uh, news, Chris. So we have the final battle um, in which, <laughs> weird, Cody lost to Jay Lethal for the title. This was, of course, if you guys didn't know, the last pay-per-view for um, – Basically, the elite. Um, Kenny's not a full-time member. He's kind of like a guest member through New Japan. So we're talking about Cody, the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson, uh, Adam Page, and, um, and, of, and of course, Cody. And also, this was, I believe, SoCal's uh, last pay- pay-per-view. So uh, Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky, they all made their goodbyes and everything. And um, pay-per-view was awesome. Uh, the conversation that we're going to be having today, me and Chris, uh, is talking about the future of Ring of Honor because they have a lot of stuff. Now, you know, they've already grabbed Jeff Cobb. They just grabbed PCO and um, and Brody King. And actually, Marty Skrull, who's still around for, I think, I think his contract's up in April. I'm not 100% sure on that. But he just formed his own group called the Villain Enterprise with PCO and Brody King. We also know that, uh, you know, a AAA wrestler, and he was also in All In Bandito. And um, who's the new one? Mike Johnson, or it was uh, Mark, yeah, Mike Johnson from PW Inside reported that Ring of Honor has signed international superstar Mark Haskins. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know who Mark Haskins is. Um, Chris might. I have no clue. I haven't talked to him about this. Uh, but whoever they're grabbing, it seems beforehand, you know, with your, with your Brody King, your PCO, and your Bandito, they're realizing they had to transition into a new direction. Um, it's just, there's a lot of stuff happening. And I don't even know if Marty, I mean, if, if, if we are under the impression that all elite wrestling is going to happen, and that's, that's something that, that they're doing right now, um, in which I really think that they're actually going to be working with New Japan. Like, all the guys said great things about Ring of Honor and their goodbye, like, little Twitter things and everything, you know, just the nicest stuff. But I feel like they're going to have interaction with other companies, but I don't think Ring of Honor is probably going to be one of them. I don't know. Um, either way, Ring of Honor is definitely having a shake-up. Um, oh, wow, that's going to go for another person I will never, ever do one of the promos with uh, for Vince McMahon. That's not happening either. Um, but, yeah, final battle kind of starts. You know, the end of that, it's ending an era for Ring of Honor itself, you know, this generation with the elite. And we're about to start a new one. Um, and, you know, I mean, 
within it, you think about like the people that they have in there. And I already said Jeff Cobb was one of the newer members as well. But you got like Kenny King, and you got uh, Matt Taven. Uh, you know, Marty Scroll's still in there. Flip Gordon, obviously. Jay Lethal. Uh, the Briscoes aren't going anywhere. There's definitely stuff to be re- – uh, Dalton Castle, you know. There's definitely certain things that they can do. But I think that Ring of Honor is going to do fine. Um, Chris, how do you feel about all of this? The new members that are coming, uh, the new, uh, you know, faction with Marty Skrull, PCO, and Brody King, and the loss of, of, of the roster for Ring of Honor, uh, you know, going to the future. What do you think they're going to do? Well, I mean, they, they've lost a lot of talent over the past year. Uh, there's no good way to really say that. Um, obviously, it's going to change up the top of that card quite a bit. Uh, SoCal being gone shakes up the tag division. I think it's good that you're getting Marty Stroll and his new, uh, newly formed gang of men faction, so to speak. Uh, I think all, I think all that's interesting stuff. Uh, Mark, uh, I believe you, you talked about Mark Haskins. Um, I don't know a whole lot of his work. I've, I've seen him work in uh, progress, with, uh, particularly when he faced off against Ricochet and Zack Sabre Jr. Um, and I know he's had some matches with Brent Devitt. Mm-hmm. He was in uh, the British Independent, uh, British Independent scene. I don't know exactly where that falls in. Uh, I think it was maybe NGW, maybe, I want to say. Uh, so I've, I've seen some of his work, but he, he's He's, uh, he's not someone that I've followed heavily. I think it's good that they're starting to grab guys and try to rebuild this roster. I do think they're going to go through a little bit of a dry spell. Um, they're still in good shape with, you know, Jay Lethal and the Briscoe brothers being there and Dalton Castle. There's things for them to build around, I guess. The big question is, are they going to be able to bring in um, more talent than how they flesh that card out uh, around the talent that they're able to bring in? I think I think last time I was on the show we talked about you know I think PC was a great get and uh, some of the some of the recent talent they picked up is good but they're you know losing the young bucks that's a big draw for them and and also splitting apart you know Cody Rhodes and Lee Page and those guys being gone uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it affects them overall as a business and, and whether or not it's a huge deal it's going to be uh, all things to keep an eye on. Yeah, it's just – there's a lot of stuff that goes into it, man. You know, a lot of these I, – I don't want to say I feel bad because I don't think anything bad's going to happen to Ring of Honor. But, I mean, they did just sell out uh, Madison Square Garden, obviously, recently, and that's going to be happening WrestleMania weekend. We even talked about WWE moving NXT to Friday. I think partially, you know, realizing they should move they, – they shouldn't have that conversation at the same time. Um but at the same, but you know what goes along with it is the fact that I think that most of the fans thought that the elite was going to be included in that, which they still have time. What I'm trying to get at is PCO and Brody King left MLW to come to this, and I I hope the best for everything. It seems like they're getting a lot of signees. What I'm trying to say is since they're having to rebuild, the popularity that they had was with you know, a lot of the elite members, their interaction with New Japan, all that type of stuff was bringing a lot of eyes to Ring of Honor, arguably since, you know, the times of Brian Danielson, Tyler Black, and a lot of the guys that are now on the main roster of WWE. Um, Sinclair, you would hope, you would want them to put more money into the product so it can get bigger. 
Uh, I would even say compare like if you're just talking about production level right now and you watch Impact even compared to Ring of Honor, I think that there is a huge difference. Um, but should Sinclair really try to put more money into it if they've just lost a, a, one of the things that we're keeping eyes on the product, if you will? Uh, I think they're going to be fine, and they're always going to be a niche company and do their thing. But do you think Ring of Honor uh, – as a company should be worried at all because of all this. I mean, I would be worried if the pay-per-views don't start or if they're streaming pay-per-views tend to not, do as well. that would be the big concern. Um, the Madison Square Garden show, I'm wondering if a lot of, if some of those elite wrestlers are already locked into that show. Uh, and I'm assuming they're still going to trade talent with New Japan. I just, I, it seems more like there's not, you know, there's no ring of honor contract stipulations that would prevent them from doing anything else. So uh, You're probably still going to see a crossover of talent. I don't think New Japan and Ring of Honor are going to stop doing their uh, what was it, Super Card of Glory or, or the, basically the international thing they do with Japan and Sinclair Broadcasting. I think they see it as a niche market. In in a way it is. Ring of Honor has a cult-based fan that's kind of been there for forever and will always be Ring of Honor fans. And I don't think that's there's definitely things to be picking up on in production, and then obviously revamping those wrestlers, uh, getting new talent in, all of that is, is good things that will help their brand. They're just not, to me, the the top level star there, the top level stars there, probably being Briscoes and Jay Lethal. They don't put them in a in a really good, really good element to succeed if they don't really have anyone to face, and uh, they're not getting promoted. On a daily basis, I feel like Ring of Honor was bigger. I would say three or four years ago than it is currently. I, I think I feel like the TV show is, is a little better and it's a little easier to access in a lot of the markets. Player first took over, I couldn't even watch Ring of Honor in Georgia, but now it's uh, it shows up on a bunch of local networks and there's different ways to access. It. Obviously, you can always find that stuff online if you really want to reach out for it. But it, it's 69. The channel seems to get as a kid um, so I, I, it depends on what we mean by putting more money into it. I, you know, I don't. I see them getting more independent wrestlers, signings like Mark Haskin. The biggest problem they have is that WWE signed up a lot of the talent and the other really great talent, either on Impact or Japan at this, at this point. Um, so it, it it almost comes down to them making deals with other companies to trade talent back and forth and, and how well they can do that. Um, you know, whether that be with MLW or with Impact or however they want to work that out, but yeah, it's 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 going to be weird because it's hard to build long-term storylines uh, around. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It just the question's kind of there still, um, but I mean, the fact that they're throwing in the mix people like Bandito and and uh, PCO and, and and some of these random awesome wrestling entities uh, that the WWE hasn't grabbed or isn't a part of another thing is awesome. And it shows another direction and generation for ring of honor. But uh, still there's a lot to find out. Um, I don't think there's much reason for me and Chris really to speculate about uh, all elite wrestling. I mean, we pretty much speculate until we're blue in the face. There seems to be little progression of now there's more confirmation that, 
All of them are done with Ring of Honor. Uh, they've all hinted at it, and there's going to be an announcement apparently in January if you watch Being the Elite. So there's really nothing else to talk to about that once we know, since we don't have enough information basically to like try to make even conversation. So either way, I think it's kind of uh, time to talk about another company that uh, apparently is going in different directions, Chris. Um, I don't know if you've heard of them. Uh, they're called the WWE. Um, but yeah, before we do that, we're going to talk with, uh, about one of our sponsors, an amazing uh, sponsor, and I'm going to kick it to the American dream himself, Dusty Rhodes. Dusty, take it away. Thank you, baby. This episode is sponsored by Action Heat. Action Heat makes the world's best battery heated clothing, daddy. Heat on demand at the touch of a button. Control your environment with Action Heat. Action Heat clothing is engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via heating panels similar to a heated car seat, daddy. They can reach temperatures of up to 135 degrees and are powered by a rechargeable 5-volt lithium-ion battery that lasts up to 12 hours on each charge, baby. Action heat batteries can also be used to recharge your phone and any other gadget when you're wearing them. Perfect for any friend or family on your holiday gift list. Great for anyone who works outdoors, like the coal mine workers and all the construction workers, and all the blue-collar workers of America who work outdoors in the cold, daddy, having hard times, they would be a perfect person to get this wonderful product of action heat. Skiers, snowboarders, or anybody that loves the outdoors but hates the cold, daddy. Action heat clothing provides toasty warmth and comfort for your whole body, including heated jackets, socks gloves, hats, and even undergarments like heated base layer shirts and long johns, daddy, like I said. You can stay warm and cozy from head to toe with Action Heat, unless you're Ric Flair, and then you can fuck off. Action Heat is available in men's and women's, daddy, and has great new styles and models just released for this winter season. Make winter activities more enjoyable with a blast of warmth Action Heat is perfect solution to keep you toasty, warm, and fresh, Daddy, on the most frigid, frigid winter weather. Heated products that fit everyone's budget, baby, even if you're a blue-collar worker, baby, starting at just $39.99. We've got a deal for our listeners to save 20% off their entire order. Just go to actionheat.com slash geek. To check out everything Action Heat has to offer, that's actionheat.com slash geek, G-E-E-K, daddy. Or use the coupon code geek at checkout to save 20% off your order. Stay toasty warm while you enjoy all your outdoor activities this winter, baby. With Action Heat, and we thank them for sponsoring our podcast, daddy. Back to you, Dave. Thanks, Dust. I appreciate that. Um, and I also obviously appreciate Action Heat for sponsoring us. Um, I am someone, like I said earlier, that works in a warehouse. For uh, I'm a shipping manager of a t-shirt company, and I work in a warehouse. And, yes, we have heat 
in there, but it can get pretty damn cold. And I have the long johns and the socks, and they keep me wonderfully warm. I would definitely recommend this product for anyone of our listeners. Remember, just use the promo code. You either go ashenheat.com slash geek, like geek vibes, or you use the promo code geek uh, when you sign up and you get 20% off your first purchase. That's pretty awesome. All right, let's move on to TLC as soon as I can find the link for it. I'm not trying to stall on time at all. I mean, I'm just talking. Um, either way, Daddy, how, how, how did you like that um, that wonderful promo by Dusty Rhodes? Wasn't that so nice of him, Chris? Man, I'm not going to lie to you. I thought, uh, I, I thought that you were possessed or that he was trying to tell us all about actually, you know, electromagnetic frequencies because that's how ghosts communicate. Watched uh, Ghost Hunt. Gotta have your EMG reader and put down a little flashlight so that they can communicate yes or no back to you by turning it on and off. And, uh, it's dead. He just came straight through the phone. Can you ride the eardrum? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I completely agree with you. Um, it was wonderful having in this room to hang out with. Uh, hit me in the head with his elbow, but He's a ghost, so nothing really happened. Um, either way, uh, it was fun having him here uh, do action. And, and guess what, guys? Uh, for some reason, Macho Man Randy Savage and Triple H will never, ever do promos. Uh, they, they were bad, and I can't have them back. Let's just put it that way. I.e., it kills my voice. All right. TLC had 12 fucking matches, so we better get into this thing. Um, first two actually were both. Pretty good matches. Well, the first one was a good match. The second one was whatever. Uh, but the Cruiserweight Championship match, uh, Buddy Murphy, Cedric Alexander. I mean, Chris, it's great that the last couple of pay-per-views, they've been on the main card. They're back down. Uh, I know that 205 is not doing good. I think it was 17 in the ratings last week uh, on the network. And um, I could see them, if you can't already see the transitions of the Lucha Party coming to Raw, uh, Ali coming to SmackDown. I think they're going to grab the guys they like and slowly start condensing 205 into nothingness, which sucks because if you actually watch and keep up with it, the wrestling quality is pretty damn fun, um, specifically for that style. But either way, they opened up. These guys are both really good in the ring. We've seen them do their thing. We just, you know, we saw them at the uh, showdown in Australia. Uh, I really like Buddy Murphy and Sergeant Alexander, but they just had, like, a match that you've seen them have uh, quite a few times. So nothing really stuck, uh, stood out to me. Uh, Murphy retained the championship by doing the Murphy's Law after getting out of a lumbar check. How did you like this match? I thought the match itself was fine. It, it, I mean, it just felt like uh, the same match that they've had. You know, basically what you said. We've seen it a bunch. Um I think it sucks for 205 Live. They really needed someone in the top position. Uh, I think when Neville was there, obviously, and Austin Aries was there, recognizable names went a long way. Not that uh, Buddy Murphy and Cedric Alexander aren't recognizable, but I don't think they're quite on the same level as an, as an Austin Aries or a, a Neville and, and the brand. Oh, is kind of oh are they not on the Neville level, Chris? Are you saying they're not on the Neville level? <laughs> they're not Sorry, on the Neville Sorry, I have to do that. Level. Um, and I, I tend to agree with you, but I've been saying that for a while, and 205 Live must not cost very much to produce, so 
I don't know. Maybe it'll stick around. Maybe we'll see a condensed version of it. What I wouldn't want to see is them just get thrown onto either Raw or SmackDown and lost in the shuffle, much like the U.S. title. Yeah, uh, I think Sonic the Hedgehog has it, um, from what Rusev said. That was a good burn, by the way. Saying that Shinsuke looks like Sonic the Hedgehog in that fucking outfit, I laughed. I, I definitely, I, I, uh, yeah. Guitar ladder match. Hey, you know what makes a lot of sense is putting stuff on a, on a, on a, on a pole or, or on, you know, a ladder match for an object like a guitar. Oh, Jesus Christ. Either way. Elias defeated Bobby Lashley. Uh, they had... You had two guys, honestly, that shouldn't be in a fucking ladder match. I don't think that Elias or Bobby... And, you know, honestly, I like uh, I like Elias a lot. I think he has a lot of time to improve. But Bobby's even more... And, I mean, for Bobby's size, this doesn't make sense. He's more, I think, uh, crisp than Elias is half the time. I'm just saying it was a clunky, weird match to have this. We knew he was going to have some type of spot with Leo Rush. It wasn't anything that lackluster. And then afterwards, he climbed the top, got the, uh, the thing. Bobby lost, but then they beat the crap out of him. Uh, all right. Cool. Elias got hit by a guitar. There's guitar hitting. I don't know if you've watched Edge and Christian's show, Chris, but they had a, uh, <laughs> they had a thing with Elias, and he was on, like, the, uh, like they were making fun of The Voice. And they basically told him that he had to, like, change his style up, and they were all giving him advice, and at the end of it, they turned him into Honky Tonk Man. It's pretty funny. Either way, that was more entertaining than this match. How did you like this match? Um, I'm very confused on what the actual rules of this match was, because I, I assumed that you had to hit the person with the guitar. Because they always do this. <laughs> like, simply pulling the guitar off of the pole does not mean you win the match, but apparently it does. So uh, that confused me. And then also, if you're going to do these on a pole matches, why, why didn't they just put Leo Rush on a pole and go full WCW with it at this point? You <laughs> have Elias catches him first, he gets to put an ass whipping on him, and Bobby Lashley is trying to protect his little buddy. Like, why didn't they go that route? Like, I have no idea, but they should have. I feel I, You know what sucks is Drake Maverick and Leo Rush are both not great at being managers, but would be really good as wrestlers on 205 Live and both have a lot of personality. They should probably use them on the brand that we were just talking about before this fucking match. Let's go with that. Oh, God, man. I mean, just for the hell of it, just as, just just as a joke, just you know, just to fuck with us, basically. Can't they just put like Judy Bagwell? Just just pay her a bunch of money and have her fucking be on a goddamn pole again instead of uh, I don't know. Anyways, all right. First match of the official TLC card. Uh, we had the finals that no one gave a shit. Of uh, R-Truth and Carmella going against Jinder Mahal and Alicia Fox. Um, I love R-Truth and Carmella together. I think that they're great. I have no problem with them winning this and getting the 30 spots. I feel like they're going to do some shenanigans where R-Truth somehow gets screwed out of his 30 spot, which they do, and they make it funny. I think that R-Truth, I think he likes his role. I think he's still relevant, and he should be. He's great in the ring, great on the mic, has charisma for days. And Carmella, I think, has bounced back uh, after being not an unsuccessful heel, but much more lackluster. She's gotten better in the ring, too. Her, uh, her, um, I thought Alicia Fox just was terrible in this match. I'm sorry. She was all over the fucking place. But at the end, they had, like, a little bit of 
weirdness, and then Carmella got her in that new finisher she has, and I actually do like the finisher. Well, here's the kicker. They win it, and they have this new, you know, um, this new vacation that they can go to. And our truth already told them if they won what, where he wanted them to go. And they're going to the WWE uh, Center in, uh, in Stanford, Connecticut. I thought it was funny. It was cute. I don't remember the match at all. I don't give a shit. I, I, I remember Alicia doing really bad. That's about it. But uh, go our truth and Carmella. Yeah. Chris, uh, are you that enthusiastic about this? No, I'm not enthusiastic about this of all time, like at all. This is a this is a waste of fucking time. This is a waste of my time. Like, it didn't matter at all, and all it's going to do is end up with a funny segment where Archie Carmella goes to head. Like, they should have just did this on SmackDown or on the pre-show. So, yeah. I mean, I don't have a problem with Archie and Carmella. I actually like Archie a lot. I really liked him a lot when he was in uh, TNA. Six fun killings, for instance. Um, I think he had a good run when he had his shooting John Cena, but outside of that, he has been relegated to a comedy wrestler. And that's fine. There's a spot for it, but uh, I don't know. Combining comedy plus Carmella plus Jinder Mahal plus Alicia Fox is bad. So I dislike it. No soup for you. All right. Um, really wasn't that great. I'll admit. Uh, the next match is a triple threat match that I have to admit I was expecting more out of. Um, I don't think they're going to do this now, especially with the shakeup that we'll talk about later. But Bully Ray said that this match he thought should have been a should have been one of the TLC matches because he felt that the three teams themselves had a very similar similar chemistry, as he compared that him, the Hardys, and Edge Christian did something that. You know, a lot of people said before him, the Rock and Roll Express, the Midnight Express, and the Road Warriors had. Um, and they would have been able to show off a lot more. This very much felt to me a greatest hits tag match. You can't do a lot in this style tag. I thought it was fine. I, don't get me wrong, but at the end of it, Sheamus caught Xavier Woods with the bro kick uh, mid-springboard, and they retained the championships, and it was Kind of quick. I, I don't know how long this match was, but if they gave this like a little bit of length of time and gave it a TLC match, they could have probably done some really crazy, amazing shit like they usually do. And now, kind of thankfully, it seems like they're going to split up the tag division more on SmackDown and get with some of the other teams. So the potential of seeing the three of these teams together doesn't seem like it's going to happen anytime soon. Um, Chris, how did you feel about this match? I thought the match itself was fine. I tend to agree with you in, I guess, I guess, Bully Ray, uh, as far as this should have been one of the TLC matches. I don't think anyone needed to see Braun Strowman and Baron Corbin in a TLC match. That could have just been a regular match. Um, obviously, if this match was a TLC match, you would have had, you know, four TLC matches on the card. I'm guessing that's why they did that, but I would much rather have the bar, the New Day, and the Usos in a TLC match than Braun Strowman and Baron Corbin. So the match itself was fine. I think uh, people were expecting a little bit more because of the tag teams that were in there. Um, but outside of that, you know, I, I enjoyed it, and I'm fine with the bar retaining. Obviously, they used a new day. They have, they've won the title and have held the title for a long time. So it, it's good to see the bar getting a little bit of a run. It's going to be curious to see what they do with that shakeup coming up. Absolutely. All right, the next match... 
uh, was the TLC match you were just talking about, the one that was kind of pointless. Uh, Braun Strowman defeated Baron Corbin. Everyone fucking said, Braun's not going to be there. Baron's going to fucking get it, blah, 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 blah. Nope, wrong. Strowman showed up and announced that since it's a TLC match, anything goes. Duh. So Apollo Crews, Bobby Roode, Chad Gable, and Finn Balor showed up with steel chairs to keep Corbin in the ring. Heath Slater took off his referee shirt. That probably didn't help him in the long run, but that's all right. And attacked Corbin. Everyone beat the shit out of Corbin with chairs, causing him to escape. Before he could leave, Kurt Angle showed up to stop him. Everyone did their signature moves of Corbin. Slater put his referee shirt back on, and Strowman pinned Corbin with one foot. I don't even remember if there was a fucking ladder in this goddamn thing. I don't even know why it was a TLC match, because it was the pinning type. Uh, per the pre-match stipulation, Strowman now gets a Universal Championship match against Brock Lesnar at Royal Rumble, and Corbin is no longer the general manager elect, which, by the way, for the millionth time, you can't be an elect if no one elect. Never mind. Uh, the general manager elect of Raw. I, everyone, when they had their chairs, I think it was funny. Um, I might have just been thinking this, but it was like Paul Cruz like, yeah, we're going to get him. And then it goes to Bobby Roode and Chad Gable like, yeah. And then it goes to Finn Balor, and he was like, thank God I have another fucking match on this fucking card. Um, Chris, how did you love this this uh, match and, and the burying of Baron Corbin? You know, it, I I just don't understand why it, why six faces were all attacking one heel, I guess, and what that does to help Braun Strowman and how it's supposed to make us hate Baron Corbin. Like, I don't fucking get it. I don't. It's good to see Kurt Angle back. I'll take that out. Of the, I'll take that out of this match. It's nice seeing Kurt Angle show up. Um, and I guess Slater is not a referee or is a referee. So, you got kids. It was, fucking, it was terrible. <laughs> I'm sure the Heath Slater's kids also thought this was terrible. Daddy, I got something to tell you. That match sucked. All right, next match: a table. Um, Natalia and Ruby Riot. Uh, so, if you guys weren't keeping up, Ruby Riot put a decal. A uh, fathead sticker of Jim Neidhart on a table and said that she was going to put Natalia right through it. So, throughout the course of the match, Liv Morgan goes through a table, basically. Sarah Logan goes through a table. They're out. Uh, and then powerbombed Riot, uh, or, or she, she powerbombed Riot through the table with Ruby Riot's decal that she unveiled throughout the match, and she won the match. It was a wonderful time. I didn't really give a shit about this match. I love Natalia. I really like uh, Ruby Riot. I think they're kind of wasting her. Um, yeah, this was whatever. I just, I, I know the wrestler mentality, but it's just weird when someone's dead and it's like they, they make. I mean, this is kind of like the same thing with a lot of shit they do. We're not even dead with uh, Roman Reigns' case, you know, with uh, recovering with cancer and shit, but. It's not so much tone deafness. It's just like I just did not care about this at all. And there were some cool table spots I've seen a million times, and Natalia won. Good for her. Uh, Chris, how, how did you take this match? Uh, I thought it was fine for what it was. It wasn't anything special. I, I tend to agree with you on the storyline aspect of it, but we've already bitched and buried about that so many times that I feel like we're just – wasting air at this point. So I'm just going to say it was a decent match. Um, it was nice to see, you know, that's how you get a win. 
she doesn't win that often. All right. On pay-per-views, at least. <laughs> so that was nice. Yeah. Ugh. All right, this is where I feel like the pay-per-view started, like, kind of going up a notch. And I think it kind of increased throughout most of the matches following. But um, we had a match with Tim Balor and Drew McIntyre. My biggest problem with this is that the interference with Dolph Ziggler, I mean, either this is not going to mean shit, especially with their new direction, uh, apparently, that they're doing. You guys can see the air quotes I just did. Um, or this is going to end up with Finn Balor versus Drew McIntyre versus Dolph Ziggler, which I, I really just don't give a shit about. Either way, I thought Finn and Drew were having a, a good match. Dolph Ziggler interfered. He super kicked McIntyre. Well, actually, McIntyre was destroying a Finn at this point. And trying to hit him with a chair, McIntyre rolled Ziggler into the ring and carried the chair uh, to hit him. So Balor drop-kicked the chair into McIntyre's chest and hit the coup de grace to win. Uh, afterwards, basically, Drew McIntyre went to Finn Balor and was like, hey, man, I helped you. And Finn Balor's like, well, I didn't need your help. Well, actually, I wasn't Scott. Well, I didn't need your help. All right, I shouldn't have done that. And they got in a fight. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> but the match... Wasn't bad. I just they, I I don't know what the fuck. Drew Drew McIntyre seems like someone that they sometimes I feel like they're pushing for their their top heel, and then it's like no, never mind. And Finn, I've always felt like that with Babyface. He's kind of like there. Dolph, yeah. All right. Anyways, uh, Chris, how'd you feel about this match? I thought the match itself was good. Um, not. It would have been better if, if you just had Drew squash Dolph at the beginning and then do the interference spot or something. I I don't know what's going on with the storyline. It makes sense with him interfering, but then to have him immediately attack Finn Balor afterwards when he's basically mad at Drew McIntyre, it's – I don't know. They never know what they're doing with Dolph Ziggler. They don't know if he's a heel or if he's a face or what he actually ever is, and then they never stick with him. Like, either way. I mean, he's basically like the little big show. As far as how they treat what's going on in his life on a, a fucking weekly basis. But uh, the match itself, I thought, was pretty well worked by Finn and, and Drew. There were some uh, nice... But nothing nothing too crazy. I mean, I, I'm still not a huge fan of Drew McIntyre in the ring. And I'm bored just at all, actually. Um, but I know a lot of other people like him, so I'll just just let that one go. Uh, there's, I, I think the takeaway from this is they don't really know what to do with Drew McIntyre right now, and I would go ahead and assume that he's going to be relegated to this spot with Finn Balor and Dolph Ziggler for at least a couple of months um, until they figure out something. And a lot of that has to do with the uncertainty of Braun and Bowman and Brock and all of the other big guys that they have at the top of the roster, which will always be probably Yep. Um, all right. So next, we have the chairs match. I'm going to say right now, flat out, I think chairs match stipulation is fucking stupid. If it's a, if you're, are you saying that if they try in an extreme rule situation where you can use chairs, if they bring out a table, are you saying that they're disqualified? Like, I don't really fucking understand that. I mean, can they go through the announce table? Is that okay? Because that can happen in a normal match and they don't get disqualified for that. Please explain to me. Either way, Randy Orton and Rey Mysterio, who have chemistry, they've, they've had feuds in the past, 
I think I actually made a a stupid stipulation match actually pretty damn interesting. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed uh, the back and forth. I like how ferocious. This is honestly, I think, what they were trying to go with with Jeff Hardy, but Jeff just can't. And, I mean, it's kind of doing the same thing with Samoa Joe. Just can't be as aggressive as Ray was coming off uh, to match uh, Randy Orton's more stoic evilness, if you will. His mwahaha style. Um, either way, Orton tried to RKO Mysterio onto a bed of chairs. Mysterio reversed it and then ran up and basically kind of uh, rolled him up uh, with the chairs, uh, a chair assist roll up, if you will, for the one, two, three. Um, yeah, like I said, I thought it was a pretty fun match. I don't think it was that long, but uh, yeah, good shit. Chris, do I sound enthusiastic at all? Yeah, I mean, I thought this was a really good match for what it was. I, like you said, it had a dumb stipulation. Um, obviously, if chairs are legal, there's, I don't know what you do. If, if, do you count them out if they're outside the ring? Do you what? Is chairs the only thing that's legal? I, it's a dumb stipulation. I agree with you. Um, that being said, I liked the finish. I did like the. Uh, it was almost like a. It was almost a, I guess it was a wheat, like a kind of like a reverse sunset flip into a pin off a chair, and I don't know if he meant to go for her Karana or what, but it was it was kind of a neat pin I, I had never seen before, so that was cool. And then um, you know, Rey Mysterio Jr. and Orton always have good matches against each other, so didn't really expect anything less. I think you could have pulled some other stuff off of this card, like uh, Carmella probably and this guitar match. Um, and move some stuff around and, and gave them a little bit more time because I think this out of all the matches except for the ones that I think that we're probably going to talk the highest about which would be the, the one we're talking about next with Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles and then probably the the main event this was the best match and it was one of the shorter ones so it's going to be interesting to, to hear from you but I, yeah, I think given more time, they could have done more. And maybe just actual PLT match between those two would have been good. Um, putting the U.S. title on Orton or Rey Mysterio and having that thing actually be on a pay-per-view probably would have been helpful for the SmackDown brand. Well, what the fuck do I know? Um, I'm just a wrestling fan. <laughs> yeah, but I agree with you. And I think that we're – I think we all continue to get good matches. You know, I think Randy's got a very effortless – uh, style, like everything that he does. It's nothing too fancy or anything like that, and, and Ray is very crisp and fast, and when you put them together, they just work well off each other. So, you know, you got literally, uh, you know, one of the biggest baby faces in Ray and someone that's an amazing heel. I I think he's a better heel than me with Randy, so just works. All right, this next match, I actually did not think if if we're going top four, I mean, yeah, if we're going top four, I agree with you with, with your order, and I think this was the fourth best match. Um, but uh, Ronda Rousey defeated Nia Jax. I think this was Nia's best match, um, and I thought Ronda has shown even more so how much she has improved, and she continues to improve, uh, and how impressive she was with, with some of her moves. That, that one thing where she, like, ran into her like the juggernaut, and Nia just flipped right over her, like, good stuff, man. And, uh, yeah, she won. Uh, she she uh, countered the uh, facebreaker punch, if you will, into an arm bar for the submission back victory. And then to put icing on the cake afterwards, you know, Naya's, like, you know, licking her wounds in the back. And Becky Lynch came up to her and was like, say it with your chest, bitch. She didn't say that. 
She should have, though. That would have been awesome. But she basically said, keep my name out of your mouth, and uh, nailed her, punched her in the face, and it was great. Um, but, uh, yeah, how, how did you feel about this whole thing, Chris? I really liked the Becky segment afterwards because they, they really drove home this whole point of Nia breaking her face as a character on Raw. As far as the match goes, uh, I thought it was decent. Um, I, Nia was fine. I think she was very careful in the ring, which I would be too. Uh, <laughs> I hit Ronda the same way I hit Becky Lynch. That shit might happen to me. Uh, but, uh, yeah, like, I, overall, I think it built Nia's character. You can set up a feud with uh, Becky and Nia in the future if you want to make it. Obviously, uh, Ronda kept her streak. If they want to continue with the facebreaker thing, though, honestly, I would have had... Uh, if they gave a shit about the rules, you could have easily just had Nia, Jax, close-hand fist punch Ronda, and then you do a DQ. Uh, you have Heath Slater referee this thing. And then actually call the DQ for a close hand punch, and uh, that way, you know, technically Ronda keeps her title and hasn't actually lost. She would have won by DQ, and then you can set the feud up down the future because I I don't see them finishing this out yet. So we're going to get more Ronda versus. Uh, I don't know how many of these matches we can see before the flaws really start to show uh, between those two. I, I think this one was fine. I don't know that I want to see this yep. match multiple times on different pay-per-views. Nope, I agree, man. Uh, they're lucky because their last match wasn't the one that, that got interrupted by um, Alexa at uh, at uh, Money in the Bank. Um, they didn't have a bad match to that. This, this was actually, I think, decent for the two of them. Keep them away from each other. Let them work with other people. But I am very happy that I continue to get more and more impressed by um, – well, the mic. I don't know why the fuck they give her so much goddamn dialogue. Like that's not that's not nice to do to anyone, just in general. Like that that's a lot of shit. But as far as in the ring, I think Ron has come a long way, and uh, I'm looking forward to what I think the WrestleMania match is with her and and the man, uh, Becky. Uh, I think that's if that's the way they go, I think they're gonna have an awesome match. It's gonna be a big draw, and I kind of hope. I don't know if they're gonna do it, if they're ballsy enough to, but I kind of hope that's the uh, the uh, main event because I think the women's division, especially on SmackDown, is leading WWE right now. And it's crazy to think about that. Especially with another, you know, this wasn't the main event. And honestly, I love that they went with the ladies for the main event of this. But this next match, this could have been the first pay-per-view in months uh, since they had the brand split pay-per-views where the WWE championship could have been the headliner, but it wasn't. And for good reason. Now, I don't know. I guess you needed the uh, the Intercont- Intercontinental title match to be the law match, and it ended up being that, which sucked, but we'll get to that. But either way, Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, they had a great match. They had an awesome back-and-forth match. I think the intensity is a little bit out of their feud, not so much on Daniel Bryan's part. Not really on AJ's. I just don't think their feud, per se, is working as much as Daniel being a good heel and them being both great in the ring and being able to just work – Amazing stuff. Um, so there was a couple hits with AJ and also, obviously, Mustafa Ali's um, finisher. I forgot what it's called. It's not the 450. It's a zero. Whatever the fuck it is. It's a dumb name. But he nailed uh, Daniel Bryan in the head. I'm just So that stuff does make me nervous. I'm never going to be not nervous when I see Daniel Bryan getting shots right in the head because I know, as a fan, that unfortunately, it, it just just one, and it could be it. Um 
So it just always is on my it's, – it's in my mind, basically. Either way, Styles uh, countered the running knee with a small package, and Brian reversed the momentum to steal the pin with a small package of his own, qualifying that Daniel Bryan is, in fact, Mr. Small Package. So now we know who's messing with Edge and Christian's podcast every week. Um, really, really random – not inside joke, but um, never mind. Don't worry about it. Chris – how did you feel about this WWE championship match? Save me. I thought it was a really great match. I liked, I, there's not really anything I can take away uh, from it negatively. I, I enjoyed it. I think that they have one more in them that, that could be even better. The biggest thing here is trying to get AJ Styles over as the face. In my opinion, I think Daniel Bryan is an okay heel. The problem is, is the, the things that usually the heel is your is completely opposite of your baby face, like dastardly and evil. And Daniel Bryan is literally just like I'm a vegan, and uh, people that eat meat are dumb. And it's like, well, you know, that doesn't really make you a bad person. It just means you have a bad opinion. I, I need something more from Daniel Bryan's character because AJ Styles can't give you that as a face. Honestly, I like unless AJ Styles comes out and does like. A Stone Cold Steve Austin impersonation like while he's hunting a deer and drinking beer or something. You're not going to get the opposite to counter what Daniel Bryan's putting down. So I feel like you're going to feel this way about the feud um, in general as far as the out, what it actually means and, and how it goes. And, and that was one of my the, my major fears returning Daniel Bryan because I don't know that I don't know that enough people disagree with <laughs> some of his opinions at this point in time in the world to make him a true heel. Um, even if he's over a top and annoying about it, I mean, he's, he's not saying anything that overly pissed me off or not saying anything that other people aren't already out there saying. Um, and if he dials it up any further, he's just a kind, he would become a comedy character. So that's, that's difficult. That's going to be difficult for any face. Like one Daniel Bryan's one of the biggest baby faces of all time. He's playing this heel character. You already know that half the fans still are going to like Daniel Bryan no matter what. How do you get over that? And um, that's why I really thought like Samoa Joe would have been the route to go with the title because I, I thought you could have gateways so many people for Samoa Joe. Uh, but yeah, it's been interesting, and, and I like what Daniel Bryan's doing. I just don't know. I, he's not there for me yet as like a top heel. I think he's someone that can hold the title, but he comes more off like less. He comes off less of the heel than the Miz because he's not that great at being annoying. And he's basically just talking about his principles in life to try to make you not like him. Um, and I'm assuming that's maybe where the small package stuff comes in. Like if he starts rolling up the tights in every match and winning by small package every match. But then again, do you want to see a bunch of matches where Daniel Bryan, your heavyweight champion is just winning by small package pins? And the answer to that is probably not. Yeah, I just love that. Yeah, like you're saying, like we're supposed to, we're supposed to boo. I feel bad booing some of the stuff. Like, well, he's kind of right, you know. But I know that Vince is like, he's wrong. He's a villain. Of course, <laughs> I'm not gonna get into it. But uh, either way, yeah. I heard though. Spoiler warning. I guess it's not. This is a minor spoiler. But the recording for um, the SmackDown for Christmas. Uh, that Dan O'Brien starts off his promo telling everyone that 
Like AJ Styles' credibility, Santa Claus is also not real. So, kids, get over it. Or something to that extent. So, uh, yeah, uh, if he kind of comes up with that intensity, but I agree with you, like, the the stuff that he's, you know, laying into us about, yeah, he's like, he's that guy, like, all right, we get it, man, you're environmentalist, you like all that shit. But at the same time, it's not, like, stuff that we should be booing at all. But either way, we'll find out. At least we get great matches with AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan. And um, I think Daniel Bryan slowly but surely will work out as a heel, He's doing a better job as a heel than the guy involved in this next match, I think. And we talked about this already. And I love Dean Ambrose. And I'm a big fan of one. I think you're the one who showed me John Moxley, his old stuff from uh, CZW, and watching his promos, like a bunch of them on there. And and seeing the intensity in him. And, no, he's not the Christmas wrestler. He's a good wrestler. He's a good ridden ring hand. But he's more, he's, he's kind of... Like, I don't want to compare him to Stone Cold because I hate that, but, like, the same way that Steve was when he was a brawler. He doesn't care if he's crisp. He's just, like, someone that's coming out every direction. And I think that him and fucking Seth Rollins had a really boring-ass match. And I don't think it was as horrible as some people were, 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 were shitting on it. And I think that the crowd did start chanting, this is boring, during a rest lock. But it was for, like, two seconds. And some of the outlets were broadcasting like they, they heard that the whole entire fucking match. There was a Becky chant, which was pretty funny. And I'm glad Seth Rollins ended up saying something about it on Raw, saying that he was not happy with it and he doesn't want to let the fans down. But it's a lot of pressure to put on someone anyways. It sucks that it doesn't seem like Dean is working out as a heel. And it doesn't really seem like the two of them are having chemistry not only as a a feud, but actually in ring as well. And it looks like we'll still get some more matches out of this because – unless they're they're changing the course of things, and I have no idea. Well, if, if rumors are true and they're not changing the course of things, I should say, Seth's going to be going after Brock for Mania for the universe title, and this is a way to get it away from it. Apparently, from what Dave Metzler said, Vince was furious about the outcome of this match and how the audience perceived it. And uh, what, this might have been, I, I, I don't know, one of the reasons why they did what they did on Raw and SmackDown, basically. Uh, or at least added a layer to it. Um, how did you like this match? I don't think it was as bad as some people say, but it really wasn't that great of a match between two guys I like a lot. Uh, I'm, I mean, I think I think the big thing is Dean Ambrose, this is his first real, to me, his first real match back since turning heel, right? They've kind of kept, kept him sheltered a little bit. I think he's had some good promos. But the way – a lot of the things he does in the ring we've seen um, already, I, I kind of wish he would have came back with something a little more vicious, a little more uh, demented, so to speak. Similar to what we've talked about with Bray Wyatt in the past. Dialing it up to maybe, you know, an older school heel type mentality. Uh, even if you want to go more modern, like someone like Brian Kendrick using the uh, turnbuckle to hurt people, uh, like the, the actual metal cabling between the turnbuckle and the uh, ring post, like stuff like that. I think he should add into his character to really embrace being a heel. Also, I don't know that people really bought into the storyline. Um, I think the heel turn was a little just out of place. I feel like people think that they turned Daniel or they turned him heel. They turned Dean Ambrose heel because uh, Roman Reigns got sick with leukemia. 
and I think that kind of just leaves a negative taste in the fans' mouth. So unless the match is going to be really, really good, they're not going to apologize for the storyline. Also, it just suffers from where it was placed on the card. Um, it had to go on after AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan, which probably should have been your main event or your opening match, in all honesty, like, uh, because it's going to be really hard to follow that in general. And uh, they didn't step it up. They didn't really dial it up a notch. And I don't know that Daniel, or not Daniel Bryan, but I don't know that Dean Ambrose has, has shown me that he's capable of that in WWE. I can't think of, like, a really, really, really good Dean Ambrose match in the past two years. And maybe I'm completely crazy. And, Dane, if you can think of one, I would I would love an example. Because if I'm just dialing back in my head trying to think of one, I, I really can't think of any, any right Question. I don't think. And I don't. I can't even remember if it was that great of a match, but his one that he had with Chris Jericho was that more than two years ago. The cage match with all the other bullshit in it. They had a violent. Uh, was that? I mean, was that cage before match. Festival of Friendship? Yeah. Never mind. I guess that would have been before two years ago, huh? Wow. That would have been. I mean, if not, I mean, if not, we're still talking about maybe that is the one example. And you're also talking about with Chris Jericho and I'm not, not to just say like, okay. And, and it was a hugely gimmicked match. Um, so I don't want to say, yeah, that was a good match. I do recall that match, but outside of that, like I can even tell you what, I mean, he had some bad matches with the IC champion. I know he was going through some injury stuff. You had the shield matches, but those are triple threat tag team matches. I'm just really trying to think of something that really stands out in my mind other than his natural charisma on the mic. And unless they're going to go. I don't know how long ago that was, though. Bray Wyatt. But I don't know how long ago that was. That might have been fucking like three years ago. Uh. Yeah, I don't even remember that match. So I'm going to consider that was probably, I would, I I guess I considered the match okay. I would fucking remember it. I I get it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh, all I'm saying is I don't know that he is the status that he gets put at. I think his character is the status he gets put at. Uh, they need to figure out how to work matches around his weaknesses. Um, and also he needs to start stop doing the duck out under the rope thing. Like as a heel, he doesn't need to hit that spot anymore. Like he does, Like I don't understand that spot. You know what I'm talking about where he hits the second rope and cuts under and clotheslines? Yep. It looks stupid anyways. I hate that spot. He should well. Even if you do it, like if he comes back and he, he doesn't do it for a while as a fate, like as a heel, then it makes more sense. But like, he as a heel, if he should get never, it to look. Be. Chris, if he could get that to look out of nowhere, like much more like you know that happens once in a while, he falls back and then comes right back with a lariat, it would be fine. But it looks so damn. It's like the move that he does where he throws a guy into the ropes. No, no, he has the one guy in the corner, and then he runs up and, you know, stands on the turnbuckle, second uh, turnbuckle, and then spins around and comes back with, like, a clothesline. It looks stupid. It looks so damn mechanical. It looks like he's having problems doing it every single time. If he wants to be a brawler, let him just be a fucking brawler. I don't understand, like, why that repertoire was even put in there. And like you said, he's a heel now. He doesn't have to do either one of those spots. They look stupid. Sorry, everyone. I I like the English. As a face, you can get away with kind of more gimmicky stuff like that. But as a heel, like you're trying to be a bad guy, those those spots are made for like your comeback spot. 
They're supposed to be comeback spots. Your heels shouldn't be having a comeback in general. It should be getting eaten. So yep. I think those are dumb, and I think that, you know, I think people are tired of seeing it. Maybe it's just me. I know I'm tired of seeing it. I've been watching it for, like, what, five years now? How long has it been in WWE? 2000, when yep. did Shield come? 2011, 2012? Like, we've, been, we've seen this shit a ton. And now that he's a heel, he shouldn't be doing it. Like, there's no need for him to do it. I know get your shit in and stuff, but, like, get some different shit to get in. Be more heel. Poke someone's fucking eye out. You're supposed to be crazy. Grab a barbed wire bat and cut open a... Uh, Okay, maybe that's a little too much <laughs> for PGWWE. Oh, down, Supreme. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. Don't do yeah. don't do face spots if you're a heel. And then also, like I have no problem with the rest hold. Get it? It's just they put that match in a bad spot to begin with. Because it wasn't that match was never going to be as good as Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles. Pick two of the best wrestlers on your card in ring. You put them together. They're going to have a good fucking match. So putting that match right after it is good as Seth Rollins is. Dean Ambrose is not on the same level of in-ring work. They haven't really – they've had matches together, but not, like, against each other that often, especially not, like, a high-profile match after a championship match. So, I don't know. It's also just weird to put your IC title before your heavyweight title. There's a, there's a lot of things about this I didn't like. I don't think it was as terrible as what people said, but I definitely could feel the fans if you just came off that heat of a match. WWE fans are uh, – very, very, very vocal now. So having like a match with Wrestles after watching AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan, you're probably going to always get this kind of reaction, unfortunately. And also, I heard Vince wasn't very happy with that match. So I, it is what it is. I mean, Vince has obviously made some mistakes in the past three or four weeks, but um, I think he still knows a good match. Yeah, I feel like the audience are very fickle. Very fickle. Uh, I actually want that fucking t-shirt because I I do feel like that about the wrestling community sometimes. Um, Last match, man. I think match of the night, arguably. Just a badass TLC match. My God, man. You can say what you want. You can say she's stealing spotlight away from Becky. Blah, 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 blah. Charlotte Flair is one of the best wrestlers in WWE. Period. The girl took five years off her fucking shelf life for this one fucking match that she lost. She did a front flip senton from the top ropes to the outside through a damn table after taking a massive leg drop table bump through the announce table from Becky who basically just fell all of her weight, her ass just on top of Charlotte, and the motherfucking announce table didn't even break. And she was still a boss and still up and ready to go to spear Asuka through the dam. Like, Charlotte was all over this match. I love Becky. I love Asuka. I love that Becky is the top, arguably the top uh, female wrestler as far in the, as far as being the most over. I love that they gave the belt to Asuka. Charlotte is the workhorse in this match. She deserves a hell of a lot of credit, and I think she's a badass, and I just, I love that we're probably going to get, whoever these morons are that, well, maybe I shouldn't say morons, some of these people out there are predicting, you know, and I'm not talking about like Dave Metzler, I think he has, he's heard the same thing that I've basically been spitting for a while now, that we are going to get Becky winning the Royal Rumble to challenge Ronda to possibly be the headline, 
And then Charlotte will be going against Asuka. Some people think it's going to be a three-way or a four-way now with Asuka involved. Are you fucking out of your mind? You're saying that during the women's evolution, the height of the popularity of it, and you have this much going on, you're going to take the belts, make them meaningless, and put it in a fucking four-way match, and take away having two amazing female wrestling matches? Go smoke more crack. Jesus Christ. Sorry, it bothered me when I was hearing this bullshit. If it's not the way that I'm saying it, it will be a three-way with Charlotte, Ronda, and Becky. But I think putting in a gimmick three- or four-way would be a shame and a sham instead of having an awesome rematch from arguably the best match from last year over a title with Oscar and Charlotte and then having what everyone wants to see, Becky and Ronda, headline the goddamn thing for the Raw Women's title instead of just trying to have one fucking match. Like I said, whatever crack you're smoking, keep it going. Whatever. Anyways, thought the match was fucking awesome. Spots were great. At the end of it, Ronda came out, knocked down the ladder that had both Charlotte and Becky. They fell down. Oscar climbed the ladder, got the title. Kind of, I guess you could say a cheap victory, as a lot of people would put it, uh, because we all wanted Oscar to win it in a better stipulation. But seriously, people, like, quit fucking bitching. She has a damn title now. And how many times did this happen to another competitor? Would we be excited if the same thing happened? Someone comes and interferes, blah, 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 blah. Rod is getting back at both of them. They're stirring the pot. I'm almost positive we're already having Charlotte versus Ronda at Royal Rumble. I think that already got leaked out. So, great. Let's do this. Let's have some fun. This is fucking awesome. I love women's wrestling. It's saving WWE for most of the time for me. Chris, how do you feel about this match? I I also think this was. It's kind of I I don't know which to pick is is best best match of the night because that Daniel Bryan AJ Styles match was really good. But I think for spectacle alone, this was probably the match of the night. I don't think people are crazy, just because I don't know how set they are on keeping two women's titles going headed into Mania. So if they go the route of combining those two, you may end up with a four-way. I think it's more likely, what's more likely going to happen is the exact scenario you laid out where you get Oscar and Charlotte versus Becky and Ronda, and then maybe you have Becky win the belt, and then that leads back to Charlotte and Becky if they want to combine the titles. Um, just to give Ronda a little bit of a break. But... Um, yeah, the match itself was incredible. I think Charlotte, like you said, absolute workhorse. Should be considered one of the top ten wrestlers in a WWF. I think easily, um, and that's probably including uh, some of the char- some of, some of NXT. Honestly, I think she's consistently proven that she can put on good pay per view matches, um, and she's had great matches with people that she shouldn't necessarily have great matches with in the past. Uh, this was a really good match. I don't think it's Charlotte's best match, but it was definitely good. And I think it further builds between Becky and Charlotte going forward. And then maybe, you know, Oscar's just kind of off in the background for a little bit as champion, which I don't think is a bad thing. I think that allows you to shuffle that roster around a little bit. But I, I definitely, the way Charlotte and Becky went after each other, I would assume that those are the, you know, you're going to have another number one contender match or possibly even another three-way match leading up to whatever they do at the Royal Rumble, which is going to be interesting. And I, and I don't think what you're saying is far-fetched. I think Becky could easily win the Royal Rumble and uh, go after Ronda. And they could also... Oh, excuse me. 
pull the wool over our eyes completely and push Charlotte versus Ronda, which I think has always been a match they've been trying to get to. Um, it's not impossible. I mean, it's not improbable to think that Charlotte could end up in that Royal Rumble and then Oscar and Becky take each other out or vice versa. I think you might see something there because I'm assuming that these three are going to continue down this road, this feud, mostly just because I don't, I mean, there's other good female wrestlers on SmackDown, but they do, I don't know that they have the ability to build them into where these three are right now. See, I agree with you on the, in, in the sense that if they combine titles, which I think is a very, very big possibility, and I've been saying that for a while, uh, just because of Fox, you know, getting SmackDown, not wanting to be like, oh, you can't have these people, but you can have these people and their new direction and stuff like that. It can make a lot of sense to do that. I would feel like even though it's very Survivor Series-esque, then you would probably have, if not at WrestleMania itself, one of the pay-per-views before that, a pay-per-view where you basically have the champions versus champions. Hey, dude, Night of Champions! They can do that again. It'll be great. Um, and if that happens, then yeah. Then there's probably more of a chance that you'll you could possibly see us four-way. But I'm just saying... If they keep it how it is and keep the brand split, and that's them going forward, I don't think they're going to diminish the option to have the belts on the line and also just take two good matches and combine it into one. I think that would deter away from this quote-unquote women's evolution to me. But, uh, yeah, I definitely think that if they end up combining titles, you're probably going to keep your your top females for that that said match. And I would say that those are your top four females with Ronda Rousey, even though she's the only one on Raw by herself. I, I love Sasha. You know, I wish it would push the, the moon out of her, but it doesn't happen. But also, obviously, Asuka, Charlotte, and the man, Becky Lynch. But either way, yeah. I thought... Let me, let, me, let, me, let me finish my statement. I'll pass it to you for a closing statement. I thought TLC was actually pretty good. I actually had a lot of fun with a lot of the matches. I thought Survivor Series was pretty good. And I think that WWE is, since like WrestleMania and actually a couple off of that, they've slowly progressed and their pay-per-views have gotten better. Should they be shorter? Yes. But when it comes to the quality of allowing matches to like be matches, I think they care more about that. Um, I'm just looking forward to having a WrestleMania where people aren't fucking pissed off during the, uh, the who, and who knows, it might, it might happen again, but during the main event itself. How do you feel about TLC as a whole, Chris? I thought it was okay. Um, if, if I was someone that paid nine ninety nine to see it and wasn't just in it for the WWE Network, I might not be as happy about it. Um, there's obviously three or four great, like pretty good to great matches. But outside of that, it was a real dull show. I also didn't like the fact that the United States title, once again, for the second pay-per-view in a row, was completely absent um, and not really talked about at all. So I, those are things I disliked about it. And obviously the things that I liked about it were the matches that we had talked about earlier. Uh, all of that being said, the, the only thing I'd say about Sasha is WWE did that to themselves. They had a superstar, and then they stuck her in a program with Be- like a, with, a, with Bailey, and never actually gave you a fucking payoff for it. So I don't think that's Sasha's fault. I think she's proven that no. she can have some really, really great matches. 
and it really sucks for her, but I totally agree if you're looking at the top four stars and, and women's wrestling in WWE right now, three of them were in the SmackDown match, and, and one of them is, is Ronda Rousey. Um, I think Alexa Bliss could maybe get back up there if she can get healthy and they can give her some sort of push, but it's going to be hard sailing because they keep giving her shitty gimmicks like that, this is your life, and whatever the hell that other one was we watched the other day that I just compared to this oh, previously. So, um, yeah, but the, the thing I would say about Sasha, that the, the best thing they could do for her to revitalize her career is for her to either take some time off or to move to a different product um, away from Bailey. She needs to get away from Bailey because they're never going to resolve that story. Um, it's been a year and a half now and they haven't resolved it. So, it's pretty fucking awful. All right. Well, and and that's the thing is is you know just just last statement. If they would have let Sasha and Bailey have a feud and have matches like they did in fucking NXT, they wouldn't have to worry about this shit. But whatever. Um, it's I mean as much as I loved because I first started coming into wrestling uh, when this was happening, but as much as I loved seeing Charlotte versus Sasha and needing Sasha to be the babyface in that situation because of Charlotte being such a strong heel it kind of fucks Sasha a little bit because she she is an incredible heel. And now she's always been pushed as a baby face since then. And she shouldn't. Uh, they they had 50 fucking million perfect roads. The last time when Bailey said, you ain't, sh-, I don't think shit shit. Maybe she did say shit and they believed it out. But she's like, you ain't shit, bitch. And like fucking, it's like that could have started. And they sent them to counseling. What the fuck is going on? You, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, angle. You, you two, you two are in a feud, so you know, need to go to counseling, or we're gonna spend you. What? what the, how the fuck make any sense? Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent, and I think that's more of what I was getting at. Is you had the perfect, you had Bailey as a babyface. You already had someone you could turn heel and babyface simultaneously between those two with their feud because. That, you know, I love Sasha, but she does come off more naturally as a heel, which would have been fine. But they didn't do that. They didn't give you a payoff, and then they just stuck her with Bailey for so long that I don't know that people see her as a top superstar, especially not in the women's division. And I don't know how you get her back there except for move her away from Bailey completely, and then give her a run. Yeah, I agree. I'm just glad that both those ladies have at least had the title, even though both, well, no, not Sasha's, but, well, I mean, she loses it every time she wins it. They've been lackluster compared to how they should have. Let's just put it that way. But uh, ending, I have to say that sometimes I sing, um, you know, um, Sasha's theme music while I'm in the shower. So, uh yeah, let's move on to Raw. <laughs> God damn it, Chris. I thought that was a very important thing. <laughs> I'm at the article later. That's sexy. Anyways. Uh, apparently but, uh, that is an uh, ongoing Twitter beef between Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch, where Ronda Rousey claims that Becky Lynch stole her underwear. <laughs> so <laughs> you guys can look that up on the Twitter um, it's out there. The man and and at Ronda Rousey, you guys have fun with that one. <laughs> Take from it what you will. 
I'm just, I'm just saying, baby, I'm gonna take on that what I will, but you know that that, that that's sexy. Uh, all right, let's try to let's talk about Raw now. Uh, the show opened up with Vince McMahon, Seven McMahon, Triple H, and Shane McMahon announcing that they've done a bad job lately and will now be running WWE themselves. Question, when the fuck was the McMahons not running the WWE themselves? I get we're supposed to, like, sustain our disbelief, but even in the fucking storyline, they're still in charge, no matter what. Whatever. They said they'd be listening to the fans more and declare the fans as the new authority. Some people are calling this era starting up our era or my era. I don't know. I'm just making all that shit up. Anyways, Baron Corbin showed up, begged for his job back in his best Biff Tannen impersonation. Uh, So they put him in a no DQ handicap match against half a dozen people. Uh, Seriously, that's pretty much what happened. Uh, It's the new Raw. All right. Now, before I go into the matches and break down this whole entire thing, um, and we're going to talk more about this. I think we'll have enough time to, because there's not a lot that happened on both Raw and SmackDown, and I'm not going into any of the spoilers outside that one I said about what Daniel Bryan said about Santa not being real uh, for the ones that were recorded for next week for, for Raw and SmackDown. So because of that, me and Chris are going to talk about Raw and SmackDown, and then at the end of it, talk about this now in both the positive and the negative, the new WWE going forward. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm going to admit right now, I'm not going to be so cynical about it. Uh, but either way, yeah, <laughs> trying to go into this. I love how, how over Shane is, no matter what. Even over Triple H, Stephanie, and Vince. And I love how Vince was trying to talk shit to the audience to get them to boo him, but they wouldn't. And it's amazing because, I mean, Vince is such a great heel, but people will talk shit about Vince as much as they want until they're blue in the face. But if they're an audience and no chance from hell comes on, everyone's fucking singing it. And I get it, because I would be too. Either way, you heard this thing. When I heard this, Chris, I was like, wait, what the fuck is going on? I was so damn confused. I, I can't believe... That apparently, and, and, and Triple H laid it out. He's the one who laid it out that this is going to be something that we're going to see improvement in the next month or so. Like, you know, it's, it's going to take time, basically. So, everyone complaining out there that you saw the same shit to, that night, I mean, they got to figure out an ending to some of their feuds. They got to have some type of resolution. It's not going to be like fucking Vince Russo where he comes out. Tells everyone to come back out, grabs all the titles, and starts new feuds out of nowhere. They're not going to do something like that. This is something that's going to happen over time. Now, will it happen? That's the question. Either way, with this promo, what did you think when you saw this or heard about it? And um, how how did you like uh, the McMahon's new era where they're in charge finally, I guess? Well, I thought, first off, I thought Shane McMahon was a professional wrestler now since he won that, you know, and he won the crown jewel. So shouldn't he be out there defending the crown jewel, the World Cup of Wrestling? Outside of that, I thought it was a whole lot of nothing. Um, I think that this stems from Vince's name being in the media, being upset about the two episodes of Raw that he kind of hijacked and rewrote that everyone hated. 
I think it has a lot to do with the fact that the ratings have not been very good, um, specifically for Raw, not necessarily for SmackDown. SmackDown's kind of stuck around where it's been. Uh, and the fact that he really, really, really didn't like that TLC match uh, with Seth and, and Dean. And, I, you know, I don't know what you do to fix this. I, I didn't expect them to fix this in one night, obviously. Um, I think Triple H did a decent job of playing it out there. Uh, but you're still in the same spot because you have teams, Stephanie McMahon, the Shane McMahon, the Kings of Raw and SmackDown, and until you have someone actively take them down or take over the show, they're still in charge. Um, and they can they did this they did this again later on in the show where they're attempting to blur kayfabe the the wrestling world with this business world. Um, they also did it with. Uh, Seth Rollins, where he was talking about that he he never wants to disappoint the audience, and I think that level of blending lines on Raw, leaning more towards like, hey, this shit's a work, uh, we're gonna make it better, is not the best way to go. And in general, like I said, it happened multiple times on this first Raw, um, and also but people are always gonna pop for. But then again, technically, and I mean maybe this is a once, once in a time sort of thing. You look back at how horrible the WWE was in the '90s. Vince comes out and makes an announcement, basically breaking kayfabe and saying we're going to change the product, put it in a new direction, and that ushered accidentally with a bunch of stuff, obviously Montreal screw job and stuff like that involved. It ushered in the Attitude Era. So I'm not saying it's going to happen, but admitting fault kind of saying to the audience, you know this is fucking not real. We know it's not real. We're going to try to fucking change things. It has, at least in the past, shown some type of good things, but then again, you look like I said with Nitro, Vince Russo, similar concept, tank the company. So, so it's either... Th- this, is where the, this is where the story gets rewritten with that a lot, is that Vince McMahon did not... Vince McMahon broke kayfabe with the steroids trial a lot of that stuff in the early 90s. When he when he screwed over Brett, it wasn't that he came out and said, hey, all this shit is a work. It's that he came out and said, yes, I am the owner of this company and became a heel. And there was an obvious pivot point to that, that he screwed over Brett. Like, he called the shot that Earl Hibner made that call. It, it was still wrestling-related. It, it wasn't that he came out and said, hey, look, like, yeah, I fucked Brett, whatever. There it is. It was that he came out, and beforehand, he was an announcer. And then he showed up and was like, I made that shot. I am the commissioner. I am the bad guy. Put your focus on me. That's way different than, like, Seth Rollins coming out and saying, hey, I apologize for not giving you guys the match you guys deserved. Obviously pointing to the fact that the quality of the match wasn't as good. Um... And if they've lost sight of little stuff like that, I don't really know what to say. Uh, Especially when they're talking about the whole company. And then later on, when we get into who they actually brought up from NXT for this change on Monday Night Raw, that's going to be a whole other thing that I am going to bitch about. But uh, so far, I I, I guess, you know, for me to see actual change is to, uh, to kind of prove it. Like, honestly, at this point, prove it. 
is this, I mean, this promo is just, uh, for me, was a ratings pop because people saw that Vince was going to be on Raw. Oh, I get what you're saying. And, and I mean, I, I'm very skeptical as well. I just think that the whole Rome wasn't built in a day sort of thing. And at least, at least we're getting, I mean, as weird as it is kind of breaking kayfabe in a sense with this, we're getting that they get it, or at least he gets it, that there's been problems and they need to have some type of change in course, but let's keep on going. Let's get, let's get through this, uh, manslaughter match with Kurt Angle, Apollo Crews, Bobby Roode, and Chad Gable with Heath Slater as the guest referee again, beating the hell out of uh, Baron Corbin. By the way, um, very similar in concept, if I'm supposed to, uh, you know, say the opposite of um, the Lucha House Party rules, where the heel was getting beaten by the baby faces in a handicap sort of way, but whatever. Everyone attacked Corbin with chairs, hit a bunch of signature moves on him, and Angle pinned him after an Angle slam. Corbin is now no longer an authority figure. Still there, which is good. That would happen later on with him and Seth Rollins having interaction and Baron Corbin trying to blame everything on Seth, and then Seth punched him, you know. So Corbin will still be some type of villain, but now will probably be in a new direction. Um, But, yeah, Corbin is basically the representation of everyone being pissed off at Vince uh, manifested in a, in a in a gimmick, I guess, at this point. I will say also that Kurt Angle, you know, he's getting old. And uh, I love Kurt. I think he's one of the best wrestlers of all time. Uh, but you can tell that he's aged. And, and to say even past that, I saw a lot of comments about Vince and how old he is. Yeah, he is old. And, yeah, he doesn't look like he sleeps a lot. But uh, at the same time, I mean, does anyone remember he's like 75 years old, so he's going to look pretty fucking old? I guess we're just not used to it. Apparently, he doesn't even like to be in front of camera anymore because of his age, uh, which kind of makes sense. But um, Kurt, too, man, he needed help putting uh, putting Corbin through that freaking table uh, with the with the uh, slam, it looked like. But then we had a Finn Balor versus Dolph Ziggler. Uh, it was ruled a no contest when Drew McIntyre interfered and attacked both men. So I guess that means that is um, the start of the feud between the three of them, like I said. Whatever. At least I'll, you know, to me, because I like, I like uh, whatchamacallit, Drew McIntyre. All of them are good workers, so we'll hopefully get a good three-way match, I guess, at Royal Rumble. That will probably keep Finn away from being able to win it. <sighs> what am I? Anyways, um. Yeah, Chris, comment on the handicap match with Baron Corbin and the Finn Balor-Dolph Ziggler no contest match. Unless they're turning Baron Corbin uh, face, this match made no sense. No one is going... Baron Corbin is not hated enough for this match to immediately let go of all the anger they hold towards Ben in the past three or four weeks. So, to me, this was like you said, he was kind of sent out like a sacrificial lamb. They beat him up. They took his job position, whatever. Blame it on Baron. I don't think anyone takes it that way, in all honesty. And if you really wanted to give someone a good storyline, giving Baron Corbin a good storyline out of that thing, he was a little bit more charismatic. You might actually be able to pull it off. Um, but yeah, the match itself is, I mean, it's, it's a four-on-one handicap match against a heel. So it's fucking bad. Let's just say that. And I'm, I'm 
four on one with Heath Slater as a special guest referee. So basically five on one. Um, yeah. So fucking bad. Hate it. Uh, Finn Balor versus Dolph Ziggler being a no contest. This makes sense. There wasn't anything to write home about the match. Like I said earlier, not a huge Drew McIntyre fan. I know other people are. I just don't get it. And I don't think I ever will get it. But, I, you know, this makes sense if they're continuing that feud. I, I was fine. All right, Intercontinental Championship match. Dean Ambrose has an open challenge. And it's accepted by Tyler Breeze, who was on NXT last week, accepting an open challenge for the North American title and had a pretty damn good match with Ricochet. I will admit, is Tyler Breeze's new gimmick to not be the shitty half of Brazongo uh, and going back to Prince Purdy, who's, like, showing up at all the open challenges? I think he should have came out actually for Ronda Rousey. That would have been very interesting. In all seriousness, I like that they're doing stuff with them. I kind of wish that Tyler would have stayed down in NXT. This was a perfect way for him to translate back in there. He's a, he's a good in wrestler. He's, I think, better than they've given him for a while. I wish they would have given Fandango a chance. Uh, I think he's good too. And I, I think that Brazango could have been champions in SmackDown about a year and a half ago. They just didn't do that. Um, but yeah, could have been about 60 other fucking people, um, that they could have brought out to go against Dean Ambrose. And, uh, I don't think Dean works well with guys that are like Tyler as proved by his best buddy, Seth, in his match. It just kind of awkward. Um, Ambrose won with dirty deeds after the match, Seth Rollins dressed as one of the guys in the gas mask. I actually like the gas mask. I like the henchman. I like the villain concept. I don't mind any of that. I actually think that that's cool. And his, his promos aren't bad on the mic. It's just that the matches are lackluster that I've seen. Obviously, only one of them. This one, too, kind of. And uh, the feud between him and Seth is not really working for me. But it was cool. I knew that, obviously, one of them was dressed up as Seth because they started, like, just paying the camera on one of them and kept on going back to him. And then he attacked Ambrose. Um, yeah. Do you want to comment on that before we move on to... Well, that's fine. This is just, like I said, furthering the feud. I thought the match was actually kind of bad. Um, but it made sense. And I also the same thing. Whenever they do one of these huge groups and they start painting a lot, you can kind of tell something. And one of them is that dude's so CrossFit. <laughs> so um, kind of just knew <laughs> um, that that was going to be the case. But whatever, I'm also fine with the, the henchmen, and I, I like the universe's promos thus far, but uh, they haven't given us a whole lot to uh, buy into as far as him being. And that just goes back to what we were talking about. Yeah, he just comes out, grunts about how the audience suck and how they're all, like, pieces of crap. He Like, the promo's good. The material, though, it's just not believable. Like I said, I mean, the, the fact that they're trying to say the CZW guy is now worried about his health um, with germs is kind of ridiculous, but you know, uh, a video package announced a new group of NXTs, uh, coming to WWE. These guys are all people. One of them was already, uh, announced and they were all people I, I saw being, well, with, aside from Nikki, who also was kind of, we knew she was coming. So basically heavy machinery, EC3, Lacey Evans, all in which I had in my head, along with Lars Sullivan, as people that probably didn't need to be in NXT and I think would do better on main. But, 
None of them had storylines. None of them had pretty much anything going. Velveteen Dream, which a lot of people were not too happy, was not one of the guys announced. I think that they're going to probably give him a better proper introduction is what I would be hoping for. But um, I don't really care outside of Nikki and EC3 maybe. I mean, actually, I'm more looking forward to Lars and EC3. I think EC3 will do well because of his charisma. Um He'll be better on Raw. Lacey's whatever. She's she's okay. She'll be a good person to put against Ronda Rousey as being someone that's physically intimidating. Heavy Machinery is going to die a slow death on Raw, I feel. Um, and Lars needs to go to SmackDown, honestly, so he's not overwhelmed by a bunch of other fucking giants and be a big guy working with small guys. I've already said that. Nikki, I think, needs to go to Raw. I think they need some good, intense females over there. Don't think she – and the funny, funny thing is Sanity's on SmackDown, but I don't think that she'll do – she'll get lost in the shuffle on SmackDown. Um, yeah, but uh, – yeah, Chris, what do you think? I, I don't see EC3 ever being a star in WWE. I just don't ever see it happening. He's too big. He has personality, but he's terrible in the ring. I don't think it's ever going to fucking happen. They were probably right when they fired him the first time. Lacey Evans is definitely someone that Vince likes. You can tell she's like your prototypical American. Uh, was it, she's basically doing the riveter gimmick. <laughs> um, it doesn't matter. She's not that great in the ring, and she won't reach the level of like Ronda Rousey. She'll probably re- be relegated to wrestling like Natalia in an America versus Canada match or some weird dumb shit like that. Let's see. <laughs> Lars Sullivan... Probably better off on SmackDown. Agreed. I think that he is the one that you could kind of keep around in the mid-card as a big guy. Um, Nikki Cross. I think that she's someone interesting that could work on either brand, depending on how they want to build her character. I think she is good. could build uh, some storylines around. It's just right now on Raw, I don't know that she's a good fit because you have Ronda Rousey here, who is basically going to be an unstoppable force. Um, so I'm assuming that they'll have her go against people like Bailey and Sasha and be more of like a uh, an in-between your champion and uh, Ronda. Or your, in-between your, your, your women's division and Ronda. Um, heavy Machinery, I think they're fine just because like, Raw needs tag teams bad. And, and they're a good tag team that you can put other tag teams against. They're just never going to be a top tag team. On Raw. And as long as they're okay with that, they can have good matches with people like Arthur Spain and the Revival and uh, whoever else they throw against them. And they can, you know, book them as a legitimate threat if they want at the beginning. And then obviously, I would assume, all that being said, that Authors of Pain is kind of going to be the head honchos on Raw until they end up doing some kind of brain shakeup. But, like Lacey Evans and EC3, I just don't see being very successful. Um, and we'll see a year from now. Maybe I'm wrong, but just I, I don't see it. And, and I like EC3. I just I, he never really was that good ring, and I think he's going to suffer the same fate that Bobby Lashley is currently suffering. They don't know what to do with him. He's not as good in the ring as as a lot of the other big guys. EC3 at least has the ability to promo a little better than Bobby Lashley, which goes a little bit of ways. But you know, eventually, like Braun's going to be back, Roman's going to be back, Brock is still there, um, and then you have the rest of your class that's a little smaller than him that better on the mic and better in the ring with your Seth Rollins of the world, your Finn Balor's, your, your, uh, your and then whoever else you bring up, if you bring up someone like a Velveteen Dream. So, uh, 
I don't know that this helps him by moving him here when he hasn't accomplished anything in NXT. And then also, I just I don't ever see him being that over in WWE. Same thing with Lacey Evans. I think that, the, that there's a lot of talent on the Raw women's roster that's kind of underutilized. I mean, you have you know a Hall of Famer in Mickey James. You have Alexa Bliss. You have Nia Jax. Like I, I don't know what you do with her except for Nia's probably. Huh? Her ceiling, I think her ceiling is Dana Brooks' ceiling eventually. She might get somewhat of a push higher than that, but then she'll be relegated to the Alicia Foxes, the Dana Brooks, kind of an ancillary extra heel character if they need them. Um, I'm And EC3, my whole thing is, and you said Bobby Lashley, if they don't know what the fuck to do with Bobby Roode, I don't think they're going to know what to do with EC3. Because EC3 might be better on the mic, than Bobby Roode, but not by much. I think Bobby Roode's actually pretty strong on the mic if you give him good material. And Bobby Roode's definitely better in the rings. Got the body, the physique. He's older, but what, EC3's like, what, 36, 37? I mean, uh, honestly, because of quality of both of them, I think Nikki, out of this bunch, Nikki Cross and Lars Sullivan have the the, the most likeliness for success to me. Um, Are you happy, though, that that, that we're getting uh, both announced, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, they're coming back. We don't know exactly when. I'm assuming maybe for the Rumble for one of them. Do you want them to come back together as a unit again or do it separate again? I hope they come back on separate brands, um, in all honesty. And if that staggers their releases, then so be it. But uh, you need to split them apart because WWE is too lazy and they will just throw them back in a match together or a program together. And really, like, what WWE needs right now is a strong heel outside of Brock Lesnar on Raw. I think that, you know, Kevin can give you that. I think we're just hoping that they do the kill steam kill, like, just a more dominant Kevin Owens. Like, the one that came and challenged John Cena, you know, and beat his ass. Like, that style of ruthlessness. You know, not just goofy. Either that or a heel that wins, you know. Either that or a heel that actually gets beat that doesn't yeah, win I, I don't by need him to cut off a cage <laughs> through a table. Yeah. Yes, but just someone that uh, you know that looks very physical and can get some wins, even if it's cheap. Uh, I don't need him to go full kill to kill. I would be fine with that. Um, if they went that route, I you know he should come back as a Lesnar. But I'm you know eventually Roman's going to come back and Roman's going to get that huge push. So uh, I'm cool with with either. I. I don't know. Kevin and Sammy are in such a weird spot. They're just bringing up more and more talent. I, I don't know where that leaves a lot of these people. My biggest problem with this is Raw has a lot of talent already, and they don't know how to fucking book. So just throwing yeah. more people up isn't going to help anything. If anything, it's going to clusterfuck it because they're going to think that they need to book more matches on Raw. And by the way, there's only five fucking matches on this three-hour episode of Raw. Speaking of which, we need to kind of continue to get through it and then go through SmackDown. Um, but you're right. There's like five matches. Leo Rush and Bobby Lashley cut a promo making fun of Elias and doing poses, that ass pose, whatever. Elias showed up and attacked him with a guitar. Anyways, number one contender, Fatal 4-Way Tag Match. Revival defeated AOP, the B-Team, and Lucha House Party. Lucha House Party uh, rules are gone. They're done. Thank God. Revival won with the Shatter Machine on Bo Dallas. They'll get a future Raw Tag Team Championship match against Bobby Roode and Chad Gable. And in theory, 
that should be a pretty damn good match and fun to watch. Um, so I guess it's good. Another person that people have been wanting to see the Revival do something, even though they're heels, people like them as a tag team. Now they seem like they're getting somewhat of a push. Whatever. Anyways, and then the ending had Ronda Rousey cut a promo that she should never have had that much fucking dialogue for, in which she was trying to say that champions are supposed to defend uh, even the night after pay-per-view, no matter what the condition they're in. If you look at um, boxing, um, MMA, and even most wrestling, that's not the case, but whatever. And so women were swarming, showing us for the first time what happens for an open challenge of everyone just basically in grill position going, I want it! Like they had, like they were trying to get the golden fucking ticket in a, in the Willy Wonka movie. Uh, so Stephanie brought all of them, and she presented them to Ronda and said there was going to be a gauntlet match, and they were leaving 30 minutes uh, for the women to display their efforts. Uh, it started off with Bailey and Alicia Fox. Bailey eliminated Alicia Fox by countering a pinfall attempt into a crucifix. Then eliminating Dana Brooke with a belly to Bailey. Mickey James eliminated Bailey with a DDT. Ember Moon eliminated uh, Mickey James with an eclipse. Natalia pinned Moon and Ruby Riot with roll ups. Natalia was able to submit Sasha Banks with a sharpshooter to win the match. And she goes on to go against Ronda for a championship match. To me, icing on the cake would have been Sasha getting the win, but you put her at the end, and I knew she wasn't going to get it because she was the last person to come out. Um, I will say that Mickey James stood out as being a true veteran and being a badass in the ring. And Bailey had a pretty good showing. They were trying to give her the Seth Rollins, Daniel Bryan rub like they did with those last two gauntlet matches. I don't think it worked out as well, but it was nice seeing these ladies get a chance in the ring. They got 35 minutes and uh, yeah, that was it. Rousey and Natalia shook hands going off the air and then Ronda Rousey gave her her eat shit look right at directly afterwards. Chris, uh, how did you like the gauntlet match? And how do you like, uh, you know, that we're getting Bobby Roode and Chad Gable against the Revival? Oh, I'm fine with the uh, the number one contender match. I thought that was fun. Uh, the Revival, obviously, is the biggest threat to the AOP if you look at the other team names involved in this match, being the B-Team and Lucha House Party. Uh, so it makes sense. Hopefully having machinery can help with the tag team division. I think they'll at least legitimize it a bit and, and put out some good matches. So I, I'm okay with that uh, completely. Ronda Rousey's promo, I agree with you. I think it was just a little wordy and, and too long. They, they keep asking her to do more than she actually needs to. Um, I hate this concept of a gauntlet match. A gauntlet match should mean that one person is fighting however many people they send into the ring until he wins or loses. And this comes off more like they just have one person in the ring and they send them in, similar to what they did with Seth recently on Monday Night Raw. That's not what I know as a golf. So I hate that name. I wish they would come up with something else, like a last man stand, like a survivor's match, or or just some kind of gimmick name for it. Uh, I would have personally put Ember Moon here as a win to get the rub off a really good match with Ronda. Natalia doesn't win it, uh, doesn't need it, and then also you're just doing a friend versus friend match again. You don't need it anymore, so for the love of God, not everyone has to be friend. Well, I agree. All right, before we go over SmackDown, I'm going to pass it to our past governor of California and WWE Hall of Famer himself, Arnold Schwarzenegger, to do his wonderful promotion for Blue Chew. Arnold or Artie, I should say, take it away. 
Thank you so much, Dame. Guys, remember the days when you're always ready to go. Now you can increase your performance and get in that extra confidence in bed. So listen up. BlueChew.com, that's blue, like the color blue, BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. Dan, take it away. Thanks, Arnold. I appreciate it. I'll take it from here. Don't worry about it. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they'll work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Get it? Uh, seriously, though, I've tried Blue Chew out uh, with my lady friend. It's worked out great. Um, you know, this is something where it has nothing to do with, like, you know, it doesn't mean so much for impotence, if you will, you know, uh, ED, erectile dysfunction, scary things. This could just be so you can get more of a, a, a toddler's, you know, forearm between your legs or to please your lady and be able to last longer, guys. I'm serious. Or maybe if it is something involved with erectile dysfunction, it's because of the medication that you take. And if you mix it with alcohol, you've got to worry about something. I have that issue. I've had it in the past. Blue Chew is a great thing to be able to take, not to worry about it, and be able to have a great time with your woman pal. So that's all I'm trying to say. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness, like that horrible impression of Arnold Schwarzenegger like I just did. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use the special promo code GVN. That's GVN as in Geek Vice Nation. You just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W, BlueChew.com, promo code GVN to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Yay. Never doing that ever again. God, there are certain people. I think everyone wrestling, all, all the impersonations I do with, with actors, you know, outside of Arnold, easily do these. Can, can do these impersonations and go on. All wrestlers, Macho Man, Arnold Schwarzenegger, well, who's not a wrestler, Triple H, they destroy my fucking throat. Holy shit. I'm raspy now. Anyways, Chris, let's go over SmackDown pretty quickly. And SmackDown yep. started off with... It started off with Shane McMahon. Um, he basically had his uh, Paul Heyman, you know, pre-talk to everyone. And by the way, in all this, two things I have to say. One, by the way, Vince and Shane, whoever the fuck I'm talking to, SmackDown was not your problem. Raw's ratings were bringing SmackDown's ratings down because they're technically what you guys promote as the B show. So thank you for trying to get that mixed up. And all the fans that were like, just like Raw, SmackDown didn't change. We weren't ever bitching about fucking SmackDown beforehand. So now why are we bitching just to bitch? God, I can't stand people that hate watch shit. Anyways, I digress. It was a really funny scene with Xavier Woods and Big E during this meeting, getting all pumped up and eating steak and peering over at Dan O'Brien and giving him each shit looks. And Dan O'Brien finally realizes it and, like, just – just gives him a, a, a evil glare. It was pretty funny. Anyways, after Shane announced Becky Lynch 
comes to the ring so that she did she wasn't going to stand around for some meeting because a man doesn't need to do that and she calls out Ronda Rousey for costing her a SmackDown Women's title. Charlotte comes out, followed suit. Oscar then hit the ring to fault to flaunt her new title. Vince McMahon interrupted the three and basically told him to get the fuck over it that that's not how it works. And another person that's been demanding a lot online for another chance, Naomi was giving a championship shot against Asuka, um, and they both had a good match. Uh, Asuka defeated Naomi, but they, they kept on getting it where Naomi would get into the Asuka lock and then get herself out of it, and they had good chemistry. Naomi should be one of their, just like Sasha, just like a lot of other, Bailey um, should be one of the people that they should keep definitely in the mix for the title. Alexa Bliss, certain people that have qualities, and Naomi's is her charisma and her in-ring quality. She's a great athlete. Um, Chris, uh, how did you like the rally? How did you like Becky Lynch being the man? Uh, Vince telling him to quit being brats and get the fuck over it and, you know, having uh, Naomi go in the match and then Naomi losing to Oscar. Tell me how you felt about it. Uh, the New Day segment was hilarious during the meeting. I agree. Uh, I thought every, I thought the lead-up with uh, Becky calling out Ronda was fine. Obviously, Ronda's not there, which will be the response from Ronda on Raw more than likely. Uh, and then setting up the match going into that, it was good to see Naomi in the ring with Asuka. I thought it was a good match overall. And, uh, yeah, the, the weirdest thing about this is that Paige is relieved of her duties. So what is she going to be doing, especially with the lead-up to the big film that they're putting out, specifically about her and her family? So that's all interesting stuff. But, yeah, I, I, I like the beginning of this uh, of SmackDown thus far, especially in comparison to Raw. Yeah, apparently... Shane, and he didn't really go into it, but Shane said that she would have a similar role, but it wouldn't be, she wouldn't, I, I have no idea what the fuck it means. My guess is that if they're still babying Alexa, maybe they'll represent the women's divisions and be, I have no clue. They'll, they'll, they'll probably figure it out. They're, they're fucking writing off the seam of their pants, which is different. Well, actually, no, the same, but in a different direction than they normally go. Um, this is a funny segment, because it, partially because it's so damn awkward. Uh, more so than those awkward doctor visits that you got to deal with. If you don't take our amazing sponsor with Blue Chew, by the way. So throw it out there. But uh, the Miz knocked on the door of the McMahon's dressing room, which Vince McMahon answered. Miz asked for Vince's blessing uh, to tag with Shane McMahon. Vince refused. I've never given anyone a blessing. Never done that. Like, I really believe that even Triple H and Stephanie, he didn't even give them a blessing. Uh, but I, I thought this was kind of cute, kind of going tiptoeing that line, but not going fully directly like derogatory or anything like that. Uh, so Vince refused, but instead set up a tag team match later that night for Vince for Miz to prove himself. Um, yeah, and then Jeff Hardy said he's made mistakes in the past, but that's his past. He then called out Samoa Joe. Joe hit the ring and said everyone is worried that Hardy will fall back into his past issues. Joe started to walk away. Uh, but then Hardy made a comment about, like, really? You're going to come here when you've been here for two years and you haven't won one actual world title? Uh, then they got into it. Joe tried to go after him, and Hardy turned it into a twist of faith. Hardy and Joe will continue their feud. Uh, and then The Miz and um, Mandy Rose defeated R-Truth and Carmella. Mandy Rose distracted Carmella and R-Truth, allowing The Miz to hit the skull-crushing finale for the pinfall victory. 
And um, Corey acts more creepy about Mandy Rose than he ever has beforehand. And by the way, even though it's a whole character thing, Corey's married in real life, so that even makes it more creepy. Uh, yeah. So how did you like the whole Miz and Vince segment, Chris? Jeff and Samoa Joe, and then the mixed match challenge. Oh, wait, that wasn't the, the, the whatever, the tag match. The missing segment was fine. It was a good little comedy moment between Miz and Man. I didn't have a problem with it. Uh, the Jeff Hardy and Samoa Joe, I think that feud's continuing to build. It would be good. I actually like that they're dragging it out, and we haven't seen a, uh, a straight up on this. It was good to see Jeff get the better of Samoa Joe in this, because you know Samoa Joe is going to come back uh, stronger. So uh, The next one would be The Miz and Mandy Rose defeated R-Truth and Carmella, uh, the mixed tag team match. It's really weird, because you just had R-Truth and Carmella win this giant tournament, and then you just had them lose the very like the night after. So that was fucking weird. But uh, outside of that, I mean, the match was okay for what it was. Uh, decent for The Miz, I guess he's doing something with Shane McMahon in the future, which I'm not like it's a waste of me neither I don't really care about it uh, alright so the Usos uh, went against Gallows and Anderson and they were having a decent match and it was basically for number one contender Usos came out you know and were trying to call out I believe the New Day and you know Gallows and Anderson were like wait what about us we haven't even been on TV in like a month I think it was longer than that either way while their match was going on the bar came out interrupted it but Sandy came through the crowd and attacked the Usos and Gallon Anderson before they could do anything. After Sandy laid everyone out, the bar finished the job and showed off their titles. Uh, after that, we had Shinsuke versus Rusev for the U.S. title chip announced for next week. It's already been recorded. We know the outcome of that. Um, as well as Jeff Hardy versus Mojo. So I'll be on next week's uh, Christmas Day SmackDown episode. Um, but it had Rusev in the back, being charismatic as shit, uh, saying that, that, that Shinsuke looked like a Sonic the Hedgehog, which is pretty funny because he kind of does in that suit. And then later, Shinsuke was trying to, like, throw shade at Rusev by showing, like, funny stuff that he's done from Total Divas, like saying that he only likes to uh, do the lawn in a, uh, in a thong because he wants to get his legs tanned or whatever. It actually made him look even more funnier. I really love Rusev. Should be a good match, whatever. How'd you feel about tag match, and how'd you feel about the announcement for Shinsuke versus Rusev for the U.S. title and Jeff Hardy versus Samoa Joe next week? Normally I uh, crap on these big interferences and tag matches, but the the SmackDown tag division is pretty good, and I like seeing Sanity be brought back into the fold. So that intrigues me to see maybe Sanity versus the bar or Sanity slowly taking out the Usos or... Um, the New Day, for instance. So I liked that. Uh, Nakamura versus Rusev. It's going to be interesting. I think Nakamura will probably retain the title, and it's hard to care about something that hasn't been on any pay-per-view or TV in recent months. Uh, it was a funny program, uh, promos. There were some funny promos there with uh, Rusev. Nakamura's little PowerPoint presentation, but outside of that, nothing right home about. All right, so commentary uh, before the match announced that uh, Mustafa Ali is now a permanent member of the Smack team, SmackDown Live roster, which is a good get. Um, I really like Mustafa Ali. AJ Styles and Mustafa Ali defeated Daniel Bryan and Andrade Cien Amos. Ali pinned Bryan after hitting the inverted uh, 450 splash. 
Um, and Styles took out Almas with a phenomenal form to set up the victory. It was a damn good match back and forth. Uh, it looks like we're going to be seeing Ali and Almas in a feud, and obviously AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan are in a feud. So good matches from here on out, uh, good out of talent. How did you like that last tag match, Chris? I enjoyed it. I thought it was a it was a fun mix up, and I liked that they you know that's how they introduced Mustafa Ali being part of SmackDown by putting him in a high profile match. Uh, what I will say is, hopefully, it's not Mustafa Ali versus Andrade Santinamos because I see much more potential in him. And it's nothing against Mustafa Ali. I just feel like that once you're kind of on 205 live, that's kind of where you get relegated on the roster. And I think that uh, Andrade Santinamos could be a top heel pushed right. So outside of that, the match was really good. Enjoyable to watch. Uh, And overall, it it was actually a really good SmackDown. Like, I didn't really have as many problems as I did on Raw. And you had four matches on SmackDown and five matches on Raw. So that kind of sums it up a little. Yeah. Well, seriously, it seems like they're doing something with... I don't think they're going to do anything that drastic, but Mustafa Ali's now got a win against the champion. So that... Uh, I don't know. That That's good. I'm glad that they're, I'm seeing Andretti, and I'm glad that they pulled up Mustafa Ali. They're good uh, people to have on SmackDown for sure because their match quality. Um, either way, final question, and I'll kind of like give my answer and then give it to you, and you can say goodbye to the audience. It's my opinion, if this will be changes with Ron SmackDown. Like, look, this could definitely be just them kind of giving us whatever, you know, telling us that they're going to do something and then not actually having those ambitions. Vince goes back to doing what he always does, no matter what. But unfortunately, and what we have to do as an audience is give it a chance. And in a month and a half, if, then maybe reevaluate what we want to do as fans and if we want to watch the product. Anyone out there that's hate-watching, that's your fucking fault. You're wasting your own goddamn time. And anyone that wanted it to happen the night of, I I don't understand what, you know, I I feel like people nowadays, it's very hard to please them. And I wouldn't want to be involved in any type of situation like that because of that. I hope Raw gets better. Um, I don't know if it will. SmackDown, don't have to worry about it. But we got 60 seconds to finish this up, and I know I'm not giving Chris enough time, unfortunately, but I'll let him give a little bit of his input and say goodbye to all you wonderful people. So without further ado, Chris. I think it's going to be more of the same. I don't see much changing until Roman Reigns gets back, and this was just the same thing as a roster shakeup where they're bringing people from NXT up to the main roster. That being said, you guys have a great night, and you can hit me up at at Chris R. Patton on Twitter with any questions and comments about the show. I'd love to talk to you guys. Have an awesome week. And check out our website at gvnation.com for all of our social media platform, our news, and everything else. Check us out next week at Wednesday for another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. You guys have a good one. Merry Christmas. And that's the bottom line. Just don't go set up. Let the geek vibes be with you, and peace out.